This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. C.T. Studd, famous missionary, once was uh, once said, "Some are content within the sound of church or chapel bell, but I want to build a rescue station within a yard from hell." And uh, that's exactly what Aunt, my friend Anthony Freeman, Anthony and Melanie Freeman, they uh, I've known them for a lot of years since '85, I think. I've known Anthony. Uh, we went to Bible school together, and then we pastored pretty close to each other, maybe 100 miles away from each other when we were in Louisiana. Young pastor, didn't really know what we were doing. I didn't know what I was doing. You knew, you knew a lot more. I than still we- don't. <laughs> but uh, Anthony has spent the last 25 years in the inner city of New Orleans, and uh, his wife and his family, and they have served faithfully there. The stuff that you saw in this video, for, for, why don't you tell us about Amber, for yeah, example. Yeah, Amber, uh, the, the blonde-headed girl, was a uh, high-dollar prostitute and uh, hooked on drugs, and you know, the Lord saved her, delivered her from her drug addiction, and uh, she ended up coming through our Bible college and our internship program, Compassion Corps, and uh, now her and her husband serve as the worship leaders, and they have a little girl and uh, for, for the Bethel Church in Baton Rouge. Yeah, that's and awesome. So it's real powerful, and one of the kids, there's several of the kids that are ex-gang members that are in, in, in that video, and then Actually, while we were filming that video, because we filmed it in Los Angeles, Chicago, and of course, New Orleans, the kids with the guns are from New Orleans, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that, but the guy that was uh, with, the, the, with the leg and in the wheelchair, we actually were trying to look for someone to, to film on the, on the streets of LA on Skid Row, and we're com- coming by and we see this guy, so we actually film him as he's there, and then we go up and say, can we film you, fill out all the stuff, and anyway, he ended up giving his life to Christ, and the next day, we, we knew we were going to a men's program. So the next day, we actually, the journey, his journey into that next, next program, you actually saw over the video. So that's the power of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. telling amen. the story amen. and people amen. get saved, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, Anthony's gonna share, to, as, as you see, you have those guides in front of you. Today is Kingdom Builder Sunday. We're gonna be talking about how we can accelerate mission around the world, and it's through your generosity. Last year, you gave over $200,000 to Kingdom Builders, and then on top of that, there was the other 103,000, 104,000 that was given as just our regular, what we call, what we call uh, well, never mind, sorry, what we regularly do for regular missionary support, and so over over the last year, over $300,000 left the four walls of this building wow. to promote missions around the world, and you did that. Wow. You guys are amazing. And Praise so we're going to be talking about that for this year, 2019. But before that, Anthony's going to come and share and encourage. So Love you, man. Good to see you. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you. And, and Rich and Christy are our heroes. Uh, they were missionaries to Bangladesh. And uh, I, I'm not surprised that God would raise up this kind of powerful church under their leadership. And so thankful for them, uh, the honor of being here with you guys. We have a ministry in New Orleans. We went to New Orleans 25 years ago and um, felt called there. Uh, you know, we were pastoring up in North Louisiana. We went down there, and we started a Bible college. The whole goal was to raise up people called to go in the inner city, and we still do that today. We are part of a Bible college. We have a Bible college there that does that, and we started a Bible college, School of Urban Missions. We were with that for 14 years. I served seven years as the president, but while we were doing that, we were actually working in the inner city as well. That was part of the training to give theological education but practical hands-on training. And so we, while we were there, we planted eight churches, 
and uh, just were in, work in the inner city. And uh, as we went there, you know, we just saw God changing people's lives. Really, that was really the cause of the churches being planted because we'd go out there and share the love of God. We couldn't get churches to come pick up the people that were getting saved. So we just started planting churches. And now that the school has 600 students and offers up, uh, fully accredited up through a Master of Divinity degree, and out of our church there, uh, All Nations Fellowship, we planted it right after Hurricane Katrina. We have 23 ministries. We minister to over 600 people every month. Last year, through our 14 different outreaches, I think we served 9,000 people. And, and so God just called us there, and we, we're doing all this work. God's raising up people in our church like Amber. And, uh, and you're going to see a little while later a guy, Robert Burnside, was one of our students. And we'll show another video very shortly. But, you know, God is just raising up people that were willing to go into these areas. But, you know, the thing that impacted me the most, and when God called me there, and I knew it was missions, but I had no understanding, really, of what I was up against. We'd go in there, and we'd minister every week to the gang members, and, you know, in some of the most violent areas of the city, some places where the city buses wouldn't even go into, the 13 major projects in the city, and uh, just gang violence. And, um, you know, about, about a year into it, we were standing there on, a, on, on, on the corner and uh, we saw a young man get down, uh, be gunned down and uh, shot, shot at 32 times, 32 bullets. The police came and put 32 cones for every shell that was, was shot. And uh, that night, uh, you know, as I was praying after seeing, living through that kind of thing, you know, uh, it was, we, were just, we were just yards away from it, 15 yards maybe from the curb when that went down. And uh, that night as I was praying, God led me to this passage out of Numbers 16, and I want to read it for you this morning. It says, On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You've killed the people of the Lord. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting, and suddenly the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Get away from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer and put fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation. And make atonement for them, for wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly and the, already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. <clears throat> and here's our key verse this morning. He stood between the living and the dead. And so the plague was stopped. And so when I look at this passage, God gave me this passage. We were there and, and these two kids run out and they gun down this kid coming down on a motorcycle. Motorcycle skids. Guy gets up and he tries to walk and, and, and the kids just, they just gun him down and, and uh, you know, it, it just happened right there. I mean, it was broad daylight. It was about two in the afternoon. It was a sunny day. You never would have believed it. We had just come out of church two hours before and here we were. And I, all those years been ministering to these kids, but really what their life was like on a daily basis was unfolding right in front of me. And what impacted me the most was there were like 150, 200 kids 
just standing there and they have these little corner stores tucked in the projects and these old ladies, they sell candy and Cokes and stuff and they sell these cold cups for the kind of like a icy that has been turned upside down and you, they suck on it. So all these kids are standing around. This young man has his blood's just pooling out into the street and they're just standing there. And what I come to understand is like they see this so much, they're unfazed by it. This is the life that they're growing up in. Some of our crowd went and we prayed with him. I didn't know and I forgot to share this, Pastor Rick, in the first service. I, I thought that guy had died for sure. His body was riddled with bullets. But I'm going to tell you something. I found out years later that that boy lived. God spared that boy's life. And I believe it was a result of that. And that night when I was reading that, I could barely put things together. And I come to understand this is the call of God that, that God, this is what God was calling us to, to take a stand between the living and the dead. And in our church, there are kids that, uh, that are part of our youth group. And on Wednesday night, we feed the homeless and, 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 and um, over 60% of our church are from concentrated poverty. And I, I, just some weeks ago, I tried to think about one family that did not have someone who had been gunned down in violence. You know, for all the political agendas over the, since we've been there 25 years, I think we've been through four presidents, different parties, but nobody has an answer for what's going on in our cities. Not one. It doesn't matter who it is. And because politics and money and government is never going to be the answer for what's going on in our cities. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only answer. Jesus Christ. And we've seen lives changed. We've seen the, the homeless, you know, uh, get, get into homes. We got one guy that's been with us nine, ten years. His name's Michael. And uh, seven years homeless, coming to our church, you know, and, and, and we tried to get him in homes. He wouldn't get into home. And, and, and we'd have to drop him off at different places. Now he got into a home and he started bringing people from the other, from the home with him, he started, and some of them are a little, you know, challenged, you know, and you come to our church, and you sit, Thaddeus, he's got tats all over his, you know, his, his, his face and stuff, he's pretty scary looking, you know, he looks like he'd kill somebody, he may have, I don't know, but I'm going to tell you, God has changed Thaddeus's life. And he sits in the back there, and we, had, we do ministry to ch ch uh, Chinese students uh, coming over from ch mainland China, never heard the gospel one time uh, out of Tulane University, which is right down the road from us. And like one girl testifies that her coming to Christ, she, for, it took a year. She had been in our coming to our church, and uh, we had served them. We do meals for them. We invite them in our home. Thanksgiving, my wife and I have about 30, 40 international students at our home. You know, and she had heard the gospel. We had, you know, shared with them, served with them. But what changed her life and made, convinced her that God was real was during a, a meet and greet, like we do. We do the same thing, turn around and greet somebody. And her turning around to scary-looking Thaddeus and the love of Jesus coming out of Thaddeus. And her testimony was this. Listen, I realized that it's real. What God did in Thaddeus' life is real. So God must be real. And she gave her life to Jesus Christ. Someone who had been an atheist before gave her life to Jesus Christ because God is real. That's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And the power of partnership is this. When we look at this passage, we look at the fact that God had called Moses and Aaron to, to run with the fire. Now, the whole Israelite community is coming uh, coming to get them, really. You know, it's kind of exciting, you know. Uh, scholars say there's about two million people, so a million plus people are mad at the pastors, and they're coming to get them. But instead of when, when God intervenes and, and the wrath of God is revealed, and, you know, we, we, we think that the wrath of God is not being revealed in the world. Romans 1.18 says this, for the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and those who oppose the truth. Listen, God's wrath is not just something that's going on. It's every time that, that people, man turns his back on God. You can either be under the grace of God or you can be under the wrath of God. It's a decision. The grace is there. The free gift of salvation is there. But as Paul said at one point in my life, I was an enemy of God. I was apart from God. I remember that life. I came to church. I was in church. I had to go to church. My stepdad was six foot four, big German. Freeman? Do I look like a Freeman? I don't look like a Freeman. That's German. You know, that's an adopted name. I'm Native American and Spanish. I never even met my real father. But I went to church, but wasn't saved. I, I didn't know God. I wasn't serving God. I went and got into drugs and all kinds of stuff. But I remember when Jesus Christ came into my life and changed me and, and changed me from drugs and everything that I was in and turned my life around. That's the power of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is revealed in this passage because they go to the altar and they take the elements of the altar, and they go and they make an atonement. That word atonement is the same as for salvation. They go and they bring the good news into the midst of that situation of wrath going out. And listen, the answer to the inner city and what we see, we, what we get to see almost on a weekly basis is the power of God delivering people out of darkness into his marvelous light. And it takes partnership with churches like Life Church. Kingdom builders, your hands are joined with mine every time we get to share the gospel and serve people that are in dire circumstances. I have another video right here, and I have, there's a young man in this video. He's not young anymore. His name's Robert Burnside, and you'll see his story. But he was one of my students, and he was one of the ones that God rescued, and then we mentored, and now he has his own ministry to the fatherless. Convoy of Hope came to our city and at that time we had a ice storm that happened the night before and it was very unusual to have an ice storm in November. I told my wife, hey, we're only going to probably have 20 people there. When we got there, there was over 200 people lined up around the Civic Center. Many didn't have jackets, many didn't have uh, gloves. They were wearing tube socks and blankets to keep warm. And uh, that day we ministered over 500 people. And it was a great event. A lot of people's lives were touched and changed. But then what about the next month and the next month and the next month? And through that, I actually saw a side of our community that I had never seen before. I saw an, an area of hurt. I saw an area of need that living in a suburban neighborhood like I grew up in, I, I was out of touch of and a reality hit me that day. I didn't have a father. So I didn't have any skills, didn't know how to 
change oil in my car. Didn't know how to change a flat. I got someone who, as a drug dealer, I got someone to take care of that from me. But God blessed me with a job at uh, working at Walmart and a man came alongside of me was a, as a father figure and he taught me um, how to um, do mechanic work and that impacted my life. When you deal with poverty and hopelessness, you deal with a lot of you know, broken-hearted people that are just looking for hope. And so the simplest things, you know, it, it brings light and it brings hope. And uh, we found that just something as simple as a basketball court uh, has even turned the community around. The church has come out here about five years ago. And since the church has been here praying and with the building of the basketball court, the crime rate has almost dropped to literally zero. We have the increasing population in the city and this increasing need within the city that really looks like, smells like, feels like the mission field. And what we need is we need the presence of the church within our urban communities. I think of the leper that came to, to Jesus and was healed. Uh, it says that Jesus was moved by compassion. He reached out to, to the unlovable and, and touched the untouchable. And that's what we're out here doing is we're out and being the hands and feet of Jesus uh, on the inner city. It doesn't matter how dangerous it is, uh, whether it's on a, a drug corner in a drug house underneath the overpass uh, full of uh, mud and, and mess. It doesn't matter. We're out there uh, serving those that are on the streets. What I believe is that the church should be the frontliners. We are the, we are the kingdom citizens. We are the one that has the authority to change the culture in our community. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only answer for what is going on in our urban community. When we know the difference that we can make in people's lives, to see the reward of seeing them suddenly realize that somebody does care about them, that, they're, that all is not lost, that the pain that they've gone through is temporary, that there is a God who cares about them. What we need is people willing to come into our cities to plant churches, to plant ministries, to reach people. To see those people who have no hope to receive hope. We are the one who are here, but it is the partnership that really makes these things happen. And this is like a mission field. This is a mission field. It's why we come. It's why we show up. Amen. You catch that accent? It's a Louisiana accent. Brother Anthony, he's actually from New Iberia, Louisiana. That's like pretty close to where they make the Tabasco sauce, right? That's Tabasco sauce. If you ever had Tabasco sauce, that's where they make it from. And uh, they talk like that. Although Tony, uh, Anthony's, uh, Anthony's accent is kind of tamed down a little bit because they can be really... If you ever watched, uh, there's a show, Crocodile Show, you know, it's, and it's funny, it's about these, uh, these crocodile... Hunt, huh? Swamp people. It's about these crocodile hunters, you know, that they hunt crocodile in the swamp. And it's funny, you watch a show, it's, these guys are speaking in English, but they actually put subtitles because you can't understand what they're saying. <laughs> That's where he's from. <laughs> he's proud of it too. <laughs> he is proud of it. Well, listen, you have this, uh, this guide in front of you. And I, I just simply just want to ask you a question. What will it take to get involved? A couple of years ago in Kansas City, there was a, a, a woman that was sexually assaulted public in a parking lot. Very, it was broad daylight in a parking lot. And uh, the reports were that there was about 10 people that actually saw it happen. 
There were two people that recorded it on their cell phone, but nobody called the police. Nobody got involved. If you ask a psychologist, he would say that's, that's called the bystander effect. It's this idea that, it's this idea that uh, I, either, you know, there's, there's nothing I can do. This is an impossible situation. Or this idea that maybe they look around, they say, certainly somebody else will do something. So like us, we kind of look around. We're talking about kingdom builders. We're talking about reaching people in inner city New Orleans. We're talking about reaching people in Calcutta, India. We're talking about reaching people in, in Turkey and all over the world. Part of this, our kingdom builders initiative. And we look around and we say, yeah, well, maybe somebody else will give. Somebody else will do something. It's called the bystander effect. And it's easy for us to always count on somebody else. But what the problem is, is that this woman in Kansas City, um, 12 people saw it, but nobody stopped it. 12 people probably in their mind thought, certainly somebody else will do something, but nothing happened. So I want to challenge you this morning as we, as we look at, the, at this uh, guide here, you see that we have... Uh, Kingdom Builders is divided up into three different categories. Uh, global, global missions, local church expansion, and future leaders. That's what we do with Kingdom Builders. We launched it last year. And so, and here's, here's the challenge I want to put before you. <clears throat> God is calling us as a church to not be a bystander. To not let the world go to hell and us do nothing about it. Amen. So, but you guys are part of that. And I love how you guys have jumped on board. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that, that if the people, if people hear the gospel, they will be saved. They will be saved. But then Paul continues on. He says, but how will they hear unless somebody preaches to them? And how will somebody preach to them unless that person is sent to them? So you and I, through kingdom builders, are sending people out onto the mission field. We send people into global missions all around the world. Let me, let me tell you, last year when we were talking about Kingdom Builders around this time of the year, I, um, I said to you, I said, okay, remember we launched Kingdom Builders in 2018, so it was the first time we did it. And I said in 2017, when we were talking about Kingdom Builders for 2018, I said in 2017, Life Church gave 13% of its income to global missions, to missions. Okay? Now that's, that's something to be proud of that a church would commit 13% of his income to missions. We have made, as a, as a church, we've made a, a decision, a commitment that we're gonna always, if we ask you as a member to tithe, this church will always tithe to, to, to projects outside of the four walls of this church. And so we've made that commitment, and so we do it. We gave 13% of our income in 2017 to missions. But then at that, in that same service, I said, but here's the deal, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied till we're giving 25% of our income away. Well, it makes me happy to report to you that this past year in 2018, in 2017, 13% was given. 2018, 23% of our income was given to, to, to global missions. Amen. And you did that. It's because you said, you made a decision, I am not going to be a bystander. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be a part of this. So, here's how you can get involved. See this commitment card right here? I'm asking you, to pray 
what you can do. Last year, last year through Kingdom Builders, we gave 200 and I think $211,000 came in for Kingdom Builders. On top of that, we had a little over $100,000 that came in. I already shared that with you. So about $300,000 left the four walls of this building. Honestly, we look at that. I'm a pastor. I have a church. We're a church with needs in itself. And it's easy for me to get fearful about that. It's easy for me to feel like we need that money. We need that money here, right? But I know that God has made a promise to me and he's made a promise to us that if you'll take care of my business, Rich, I'll take care of that church. And so that's where we're at. And that's the, that's the posture we have. And I'm asking you to jump on board with us, to not let, to not let this world what's happening in this world happen and let's just watch it happen let's get involved and you can get involved through kingdom builders so it's about global missions so part of global missions one of the things initiatives in global missions is is live dead india so it's a church planning movement in india that uh they go to different places you know india is one billion in population one billion and less than two percent have ever heard the gospel of jesus christ and so we are up, we're partnering with them through, through Live Dead India. There's other things that we're doing, global missions, but we're giving $25,000 to be able to start a team, a church planning team in Assam, the, the, the state of Assam. It's kind of northeast part of India. Um, in fact, I'm hoping to go at the end of this year to kind of scope it out with them. It's, a, it's an area where they're going. Um, the, the Assamese themselves, there are many Christians, not a lot of Christians, but there's some Christians among them, but there's an entire Bengali community within that the state of Assam that have never heard the gospel before. And so since I speak Bengali, we're going to go and we're going to kind of scope out that, that area and see what God has, has in store. And, and we're giving $25,000 to help them get that church plant started in Assam, India. That's global missions. That's basically reaching outside of the borders of the, of the U.S. Then there's local church expansion. Anthony, what he's doing in New Orleans, he's one of our projects. They, they, they are one of our projects down in New Orleans here locally. They're basically reaching the inner city. They're going to places where nobody wants to go. I think you were telling me that there's been, I don't know how many church plants in the last so many years, and they've all come and they've left. You know, they just, they just don't survive in that, in, those, in that environment. But they've been there 25 years serving, so we're giving to that as well. And then the last category is future leaders. We, we will invest. We will, as a church, invest in youth and children. We will invest in them because they are the church of tomorrow. And God's called us to reach them. So this is how you can get involved. Listen, it's, it's God's will. It is God's will for us to not be bystanders. It's not God's will, though, for you to go to work every day. We punch the clock every day. And then do that and not know who you're working with, not know their story, not know anything about their lives, and to go home again and just basically repeat it the day after day after day after day. It's not God's will for your passion in life to make as much money as you can and then just consume it all on yourself. It's not God's will for the highlight of your week to be that Amazon package that you receive in the mail. It's not God's will for us as Americans to spend, and we do spend three times more on caring for our pets than we do on reaching lost people and the disconnected. It's God's will for us to pray, so pray. It's God's will for us to send missionaries out, so we're gonna send missionaries out. It's God's will for us to go, so we're gonna go. Right now, as I'm talking to you, we have a team in El Salvador that are doing a medical clinic and, and, uh, and, and we're doing some construction as well on the clinic. And uh, they're there. By the way, just I was, I was, I was falsely accused of coming from Hawaii. 
I was in El Salvador. And just to make the point, I worked all, all week till Friday. And then Friday night was the last day of work. And the team got to go to the beach on Saturday while I was here. So I didn't get to go to the beach. I'm clarifying. Yeah. Anyways, here's what I, I'm asking you. Let's all stand. We're going to end in, end in prayer. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be receiving these, these commitment cards. It's very easy. Basically, you fill it out. There's a tear-off portion on the bottom. We ask you to keep the bottom and give us back the top part of the card, okay? And don't make this a casual kind of thing, you know, or whatever. This is something to really pray about. I have discovered in my own life that when I put God first in everything, including my finances... He takes care of me. He takes care of me. And so I'm asking you to just really pray about this. God, what do you want me to do? Put God first in everything and ask him, what do you want me to do? And then act on that. And believe me, God will come through. Last year, we stretched. We, 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 did a, we, we made a commitment that we didn't know we, we, that we could make. And we were able to make it, and God provided even more. And so I'm telling you, God, God wants to use you to change this world, to reach the world. So I'm asking you to become a kingdom builder. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and then our prayer team will be here. You know, if it, there's no specific call or invite for prayer, but, but if you're here this morning and you need God in your life, maybe you heard the stories that Anthony was talking about, and you're, you're moved. You're moved maybe for missions and you want to know what God wants to do with you, through you, in missions. Maybe you can come up for that. Or maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you heard a story on the video you heard Anthony talking about and your, your life, you're like, okay, may, may, if it happened for them, maybe it can happen for me. And so I would like to invite you this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, to come up. We'd love to pray for you. All right? I want to pray. We're going to close. Don't forget, take this uh, pro- project guide with you. Take the, the, uh, the commitment card with you. If you're ready and you're ready to complete, if you've already done that, you could put it in the box on the, way, on the way out, but come back next week. Otherwise, come back next week with the card. And let's pray. Father, I want to thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, your loving kindness. We thank you, Father, that you are a God with a heart of compassion. But it's not an empty compassion. It's not a, a pity for people, God. God, you are a God that, that your compassion is active and powerful and it's action-oriented, God, that you would send your own son, because of your compassion, you would send your own son to die on a cross so that we could have life. And so right now, Father, right now, Father, you're inviting us into that salvation effect. You're inviting us to be partners with you in building your kingdom around the world. And so, Father, will you speak to us? Will you challenge us? Will you invite us, Father? Will you stretch our faith, Lord God? Will you help us, Lord, to go beyond our means, beyond our idea of our resources, God, and to trust you for the future? Will you help us to become kingdom builders, Lord? We thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. Father, we are right now in anticipation of what you're going to do in the lives of people like 
Robert Burnside or, or Amanda, Lord God, or, or Amber, Lord God, or, or, or Eva in, in India and in Assam, Lord God. We're just right now in anticipation, Lord, thanking you, Father, for the souls that are being saved, for the lives that are being transformed, for the bodies that are being healed, Father, for the souls that are being rescued out of the inner city, Father. We're thanking you right now because we, you, God, you are the ones who are going to do it, and you're going to use us and help us to be part of that, that process. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, will you speak to us? Will you challenge us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.